Welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for spending time with me today. I cannot tell you how much I've been looking forward to this episode, The Lighthouse Effect. Longtime listeners will recall the special series last year on the Ed Leader Podcast titled Lessons from the Lightkeeper and might remember State Board of Education Chairman Eric Davis comparing educators to lighthouses during our first year on the air. So when I came across a book entitled The Lighthouse Effect, you can imagine how excited I was to read it. The book did not disappoint, despite my lofty expectations. Speaking of lofty expectations, let's get to it. Today's guest is the author of the books A Chance in This World and The Lighthouse Effect. The first book, an autobiography, was made into a major motion picture sharing the remarkable story of his life. The title of his book comes from a note left by a babysitter who wrote of him as a toddler. This little boy doesn't have a chance in the world. Soon after, at age three, he was taken away from his mother, who is an alcoholic and placed with foster parents who abused him for the next 13 years. That family trauma went back three generations. His mother was raised by an alcoholic father. His paternal grandmother died at age 40, leaving 13 children orphans. No one knew what to do with his father, so his father was placed in a juvenile detention center. He was the third generation to be orphaned. He defied that early prediction, though, that he did not have a chance in the world. The native of Massachusetts went on to graduate from college, showed corporations how to diversify their workforces, broke the cycle of family trauma by raising three adult children with his wife of many years, and eventually authored the book. He is now a best-selling author, a philanthropist, acclaimed speaker, and senior-level executive. He achieved all of this through the guidance of lighthouses, those people who stepped up and helped him despite what seemed as his poor prospects. I'm incredibly excited for you to meet him. Please help me welcome Mr. Steve Pemberton. I am so incredibly delighted to have this opportunity to spend time with you, Steve. Your story is a story that has impacted me on a personal and professional level, and reading your books has just been something that my wife and I have enjoyed just talking about the stories that you highlight and the lighthouses that you highlight. And so let me start by simply saying to you, Thank you for telling your story, for writing these books, and thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you, Rob. Such a pleasure, uh, not only to be with you, but um, but to feel as if I, I have just a new friend. You can't always exactly quantify it, but, uh, you know, I'm like, like, well, Rob's, Rob's my guy, you know, and uh, so I know that we're going to be stay, we're going to stay connected. Well, and, and I tell you what, I am your guy and you're my guy and 
for our listeners, I had the opportunity to introduce Steve to a room full of people. I think there were about 450 people at the NCASCD conference, and I may have overhyped Steve because I really set the bar pretty high, but then he came and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. And and at the end of the presentation, there was not many dry eyes in the house and a lot of educators whose, whose hearts were pounding for the message. Steve, thank you for sharing your message with the world, man. I, I am your guy and I appreciate you doing that. It really was an honor uh, to be there. Uh, in a couple of ways. One, I was certainly trying to convey the message of the power of educators and how they have this unique ability to bend the arc of a life in a very powerful and positive direction, most times unaware, most times unaware that they're having that kind of effect and impact. And the other is what you what you said at the very beginning, this realization that I came to as a result of the first book, that there were are and are these universal stories that we all have of, of family and faith and fortitude and forgiveness and loss and love that encompasses all of our lives. Uh, and this idea somehow that we don't have these common threads, that we are so polarized, that we are so disconnected uh, and so dissonant in our interactions is not borne out in actual reality. And the way you know that is in spending time with someone and hearing their why, uh, their who, in terms of the people who were influential in their life. So all of that, Rob, was really a bit of a context for me over these last several years as I was thinking about what I wanted to write about next. And, and to be candid, I was really glad to have the focus off of me for a little bit <laughs> and on <laughs> these people that I wrote about. <laughs> Tell you so. So for our listeners, and I will link uh, Steve's books and Steve's website, and 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 even a a link to um, to some information about the movie that was made about Steve's life in our show notes. But Steve, if you would just kind of very quickly, you wrote your first book, A Chance in the World, because you were trying to answer a question for someone. Tell us that story about why in the world did we write this book. Well, certainly back in 2012, I was uh, a young dad, uh, three children, uh, six, uh, four, uh, and one, and uh, raising kids, you know. Uh, and I was uh, in corporate America. I was actually at monster.com at the time and just kind of doing what we all do, um, uh, you know, car seats and diaper changes and, you know, those magical years, right? <laughs> exactly. Being a young parent. And uh, and it was in the midst of those things, uh, reading a, a, a story to my uh, oldest son, Quinn, uh, when he wheeled around on my lap to ask me a question that I knew was going to come one day. I just didn't think it was going to be when he was six years old. Uh, and he wanted to know if when I was a little boy, did I have a daddy? And uh, I told him no. And he said, well, what about a mommy then? And again... I said no. And I think, Rob, it hit me for the first time that, you know, he had seen mommy's mommy and he had seen mommy's daddy. So I was like, I kind of, I know where mommy comes from, uh, but I don't know where you come from. And you've never talked about it, in essence, was what he was saying. 
I think what caught me off guard about it is I thought it was going to come from somebody heading off to college. I just did not, I was not aware that a six-year-old is thinking about those things. Um, and so that is how I wound up becoming quite literally an author. Uh, I was trying to answer his, his, his question. Um, and, uh, even then, Rob, when it came, when I, I remember when it arrived on my doorstep and I remember thinking, you know, uh, great. I've, I've done that. And I, <laughs> I thought it was over, you know, I really did. And now I'll get back to, cause I kind of took a year of changing my, uh, my life. Uh, uh, regimen uh, to to do that, and so when it came in the mail, I was thinking, "Oh, great, we we'll get back to my life." <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you know, over over a decade later, I'm still trying to get back to that life because <laughs> uh, uh, all of a sudden I I was inundated uh, by reactions and response, and I am still getting those reactions and response, and so um, you know, my faith tells me that that. It was intended for me to write it at the time that I wrote it in the way that I wrote it. Yes, and I absolutely agree. And again, want to highlight to our listeners that the time you spend reading Steve's story in A Chance in This World is time well spent, and you will spend lots of time resonating on it. In some ways, you lit a you lit a light in writing that story. Um, light certainly pushing back darkness, and something that. I'm mm -hmm. sure has resonated in many, many people's lives, including mine. And I don't want to oversell that because it truly has been something that has resonated with me. And so I want to pull into uh, our conversation, your latest book, The Lighthouse Effect, and this concept that you share about human lighthouses and to begin to kind of demonstrate this concept because this book is is just as powerful and and I absolutely uh, loved, I love it. I was going to say loved it, but I love it. And so mm -hmm. I want to kind of work our way into that by um, sharing with you very briefly an excerpt from both of your books um, and then kind of move forward from there. And so in your first book, A Chance in the World, you wrote, in my quiet moments of reflection, I often wonder what might have become of me had not this kind woman lit a pathway for me through the suffocating darkness of the house on Arnold Street. And then you wrote in your second book, The Lighthouse Effect, this human lighthouse had unknowingly lit a path through the darkness. And of course, we're referring to a very special person. Steve, would you share with, with us about this special person, this human lighthouse who unknowingly lit a path through the darkness for you in your life? You never forget who sees you first. None of us do. And Claire Levin, the, the woman who uh, I met when I was just a young boy, was that person, that first person who saw me differently than the world had up to that point. And she did that in the way of bringing me books while I was in this very turbulent and violent foster home, where I would reside for over a decade, struggling with the monstrosity that was this foster family and waging another battle of identity. Who am I? Where have I come from? Where is my mother and father? My secret weapon, my armor, I guess, was a love of reading. Though books were hard for me to come by, especially during the summers when 
I wasn't in school because the Foster family uh, just refused to buy me books. In fact, I never, they never bought me a book the entire time I was there. And uh, that was a form of control. So I would read Rob the same book over and over again, which is what I was doing one summer morning when this woman comes walk, coming down the sidewalk. She was on her, she was walking to the neighborhood grocery store. Uh, and she asked me what I was reading, and I held up my latest book. Uh, and she gave the most amazing answer. She, she said, weren't you reading that last week, and shouldn't you be done by now? So she had seen me before, but I had never seen her. So how in the world did she know? Uh, and you know, talking to an adult was always a perilous thing for me because the family swore me to secrecy. So I could never tell anybody what was happening because I thought it would cost me my life. So what I said to her in response was, well, I just go back to the beginning and I hope I see new things. And she kind of nods and smiles and uh, continues on her walk to the neighborhood store. Well, later on that night, there's a knock at the door and it was her. Uh, and in her arms were, uh, was a box of books that she brought me not only that night, but for the remainder of the 11 years that I was in that home, I never, I rarely saw her, ironically, but I often saw the books that, that she would put on the front steps. And so every time I saw them, I, I knew who it was. Uh, when I left that neighborhood many years later, I lost contact with her until A Chance in the World was published. Now, in those intervening years, some 35-odd years, one, I thought I'd never talk to her again. And the second was, I always wondered why she had done what she had done. Why do, why do any of us uh, extend ourselves and show that kind of grace and um, that, that kind of understanding? Um, and so for me, uh, in that, in that, moment of finally connecting with her people in my hometown when they read a chance in the world knew I was talking about her and went looking for her and found her so, and I was able to sit down with her some 35 years later to tell her just how important she was uh, and how she had indeed uh, lit a path for me though she had done so unknowingly and lastly Rob her her life her benevolence is really instructive for all of us. Sometimes we're of the mindset that we have to be wealthy, that we have to be famous, uh, that we have to have power uh, to impact somebody's life. And I don't think the bar is that high. Uh, I think a smile, kind word, the gift of a box of books, uh, an unwillingness to give up on uh, on a life or somebody who has inherited a tragedy or a great difficulty is sufficient. It is enough. Now, we don't always get to see it in the time. Claire Levin did not. Uh, but many years later, she was able to see that she had, she had certainly done some good in the world. There's no question. You know, even as I think about she's leaving a box of books on the the porch or the stoop for you, she doesn't know if you're actually going to be reading these books, but she keeps leaving those boxes, um, giving from what she had. And and in your book, The Lighthouse Effect, is as you write about her being this human lighthouse, you kind of draw from that experience some lessons 
about how we can be a human lighthouse. And you talk about give your ear, give your life experience, uh, give items you no longer use like she did with these these books, give your goodness. Uh, but but I want to reflect back to you, this lesson, give your life experiences. Really, uh, what you've done through these books, Steve, is you've taken these just, just terrible circumstances, right? Unimaginable circumstances of your childhood and given them to the world as a way of demonstrating human lighthouses like Claire Levin. And certainly your success has a lot to do with your internal makeup, the grit to keep reading, to see beyond and, and move forward. Uh, but as you shared when you were speaking, uh, these human lighthouses really spoke into your life, illuminated your life and, and, and helped you along the pathway. And so uh, I just wanted to reflect back to you that giving your life experiences, the lesson you give for each of us in the book, The Lighthouse Effect, is something that I see you demonstrating. And if I may, I'll just had no intention of doing this, haven't done it before, but I'll share with you, for years I taught a Sunday school class, and one of the concepts we taught was SHAPE, an acronym, that we all are uniquely shaped, uh, in, in my belief by God, that we have unique spiritual gifts, we have a unique heartbeat, we have a unique abilities, a unique personality, and unique experiences. And through those five things, we can do a unique work. And through your experiences, you've been able to do this unique work in highlighting human lighthouses and really helping us recognize and appreciate the lighthouses in our life. Like I said, and I'm probably going way too far with this, but as I've read the books, they really have absolutely resonated with me. And I would be doing a poor job as a ed leader, as an educator, if I didn't highlight an educator that you wrote about in your books, a very special educator. And I wonder um, about myself, if I could have uh, made a similar decision and made a similar difference. I hope so, but we never know until we're in that moment. Mm -hmm. Tell our listeners a little bit about another of your human mm -hmm. lighthouses, John Sykes. Well, in both books, um, you know, I uh, was conveying uh, the impact that John had on me as an educator. And also, I was absolutely trying to get a message across to educators, uh, unabashedly so. So the Lighthouse Effect is actually dedicated to him, and the first chapter is about him. And what brought him to teaching, what took him away from teaching for a while, and what brought him back. Uh, you know, John uh, graduated from college, went right into the classroom, and then left and in part because he was seeking an adventure. Uh, I think he was thinking, I'm just a teacher. Um, and uh, he, so he goes off to California to be a ski instructor. And he described for me uh, being up on a ski slope on a cold morning making snow. And he's way up in the mountains, but he can see down into the valley. And he sees uh, the school bus winding through the neighborhood and he's just kind of following the school bus. Um, and he says in that moment, he realizes he's in the wrong place, that the place he had left that was the classroom was the place where he always belonged. That was how he became um, uh, a counselor in the Upward Bound program where I was a student. And so he was the person I called when I finally managed to escape that foster home. Uh, 
John, uh, who passed away in the beginning of last year, uh, was um, really in his seemingly ordinariness an extraordinary man. Um, there are no schools named after him and street signs and no battleships with his name on them, uh, and there won't be. Uh, but there doesn't need to be, actually, uh, because the lives that he touched and impacted, none greater than mine, were, again, lessons for all of us. And John's lighthouse effect was that he turned my doubts into destinations because I had a lot of doubts when I went to live with him. I had been battle-scarred from waging war against a foster family and against a system that seemed uh, to have discarded me. And, uh, you know, so you can imagine the effect that that has on you. Uh, but but he um, was always uh, very clear in saying to me that you have been through things that others have not, and yet here you stand. Uh, so this this what you think are the source of your doubts actually really are all the reasons why uh, you're going to chart a, a new path. And uh, he was exactly right about that. And it, that wasn't just me into whom he poured that lesson, though. It was any just about any young person John met. Uh, you know, he he always wanted um, he, he wanted um, to make it clear that he saw uh, the, one of the other lighthouse effects uh, was to see the possibilities through the circumstance. Because, you know, the actual physical lighthouse resides. Wherever you see a lighthouse, there's danger there. There is no sanctuary for a lighthouse. Uh, and, uh, and yet still it stands there, you know, still. But not in service to itself. It stands there in service to something greater than itself, which is humanity. Uh, and John was a lot like that, a lot like that. Yeah. That we that we all could be John for a student is probably the heartbeat. It is the heartbeat is the desire of, of educators. When we make the decision, I'd like to be an educator. We say things like I want to make a difference. I want to uh, mm. shine a light of care and grace and understanding and possibility and mm. hope. And in reflecting his story, I think for for many, it gives us an opportunity to reflect back on, like like John did on that mountain on the ski slope, what am I here for? Why am why am I doing this work, or why should I do this work? And to mm-hmm. to hear that reflected back is is so very powerful. One quick thing I would say, Rob, is 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 that um, for both Claire and John, the full effect and impact they were having was not evident to them, as it is for any educator. Uh, the great in wonderful Greek proverb that says uh, that a society grows great when the elders of that society plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit. And that is never, I don't think there's a more appropriate description for an educator. We never, we don't live long enough uh, to see just how much of an effect and an impact that we're having. Now, I have been asking you know, the Lighthouse Effect was published uh, in September. Uh, so I've been asking a lot of people about their lighthouses. And I'm keeping a kind of a mental catalog of people who list their lighthouses. I have yet to encounter someone uh, who does not have an educator in their top three. So for those of you listening, 
who in the quiet of your own heart are wondering, am I having an effect? Am I having an impact? Um, you are. It's indisputable. And, and a much greater effect and impact than you're aware that you're having. Steve, thank you for saying that. I, I absolutely agree with you. And um, in one of the sessions you gave, you challenged us to write down our lighthouses. Mm-hmm. And just like everybody else in the room and everybody you've encountered, I certainly listed uh, an educator. In fact, I listed two among the three you asked us to write down and mm-hmm. recognized in them um, the opportunities in my life that might not have been there had they not seen something in me. And like you said, saw possibilities in the midst of what I saw as problems. And so I, I just very much appreciate that. Yeah. Steve, you have been so incredibly kind with your time. I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. I appreciate you lighting a light that shines on lighthouses in all of our lives. Because as you said, lighthouses don't light their light for themselves. They do it for everyone else. And sometimes perhaps they go unappreciated, standing lonely on a cliff, waiting for the ship that's in danger, uh, but taking the time to illuminate the lighthouses and to challenge us to be lighthouses for others Mm -hmm. is something I very much appreciate. Steve Pemberton, you are the man. I'm your guy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rob. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed our time together with Steve. I love his call for us to be human lighthouses like those he introduces us to through his books. They aren't on the nightly news, nor do they have a large social media following. As he says, let your life be a lighthouse. There are so many lives out there that need the power and gift of your example. Thank you for spending time with me today, and thank you for all that you do for every student, every teacher, and every staff member. You are making a difference. If no one else has told you, I want you to know that I believe in you. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Ad Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.